Greetings, I'm Ellen Rohr. At Bare Bones Biz, we believe that your business can be a path to peace, prosperity, and freedom. Sound good? Great. Welcome to the Bare Bones Biz Radio Show. Hey, if you just want to make some more money, you've come to the right place too. On my show, I invite smart business builders to share success tips and tell their inspiring tales of challenge and triumph. So, saddle up, Biz Builder. The Bare Bones Biz Radio Show starts right now. Hey, it's Ellen, and hey, Marlene, we're going to try this again. <laughs> <laughs> you were such an inspiration to me because I laughed so hard about the that we had some technical challenges the last time we asked Marlene to be on the show, and I couldn't turn into a drama queen because that's the point. No drama. <laughs> So uh, thanks for coming back and rescheduling with us today. Well, and everything to... always works out the way that it's supposed to if we'll just remember that, right? <laughs> yeah, just relax a little, calm down. We had uh, we had fun on that show, and um, even though it was kind of an aborted version. And then I saw you speak the other day at the Ozarks Women of Distinction Awards. My um, uh, brother's girlfriend was honored, in fact, won top honors, and that was a, a huge uh, win for all of us in the family. But you moved me to tears with your wonderful um, presentation about seeing with new eyes and your your personal resolution for this year. I thought you just did a fantastic job. Well, thank you. It was such an excitement for me to see you there because you don't normally go to stuff like that. I know. I'm like, wow, I Ellen's here. I know. I like. I, I, well, tomorrow I'm going to the chamber. You're not going to be able to make that though. Um, I may be a little late. I had double booked a lunch, and the person I booked with generally canceled, so I wasn't too worried about it. But this time it's solid. So okay. So here's what we'll do: when you walk in late, I'll pretend like I'm really offended, and we'll just try and shake things up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll create some drama. No, because drama can sometimes get people's attention, and it's funny that, um, uh, well, uh, today, uh, um, by the way, welcome everyone to the Bare Bones Biz radio show. Every month, at least once a month, I'm trying to do two shows a month, I find someone I think is absolutely fascinating, and I invite them to come on my show, like Marlene, and I get the uh, opportunity to visit with you, Marlene, for about an hour, and you, dear listener, get to chime in, so... If you're listening online, welcome. You can always call in, too. The The guest call-in number is 347-637-2284. That's 347-637-2284. And if I see you online with your hand up, you can press your, your uh, keypad number 1, and that puts your hand up. And if your hand's up, I'll call on you, and you can interrupt me and Marlene anytime and ask a question about... Workplace drama, because that is our topic for today. Um, before we we start, I do want to make a little announcement. We just launched our e-zine for this month, too. I have never gotten so many responses, instant responses to our topic. And, you know, it's kind of related to drama. It's the personal drama of when you're wondering when you should stay or when you should go in your business. I call this a day of doubt when you're thinking, gosh, should I throw in the towel? What am I doing here? What's going on with my life? I call that the day of doubt. And that really struck a nerve. So I think... This topic, stopping workplace drama and dealing with the drama word, is going to be particularly interesting. Maybe it's springtime. I don't know. Marlene, it's time to uh, assess things and and, uh, take a look at our lives. So stop workplace drama is our topic for today. And if you want to call in, ooh, the phone lines are filling up, 347-637-2284, and press your keypad number 1, to raise your hand. So Marlene, you and I go way back. It seems like we've been friends since like we were like three years old <laughs> or perhaps in a previous lifetime. I don't even know. Mm-hmm. But I have just felt such a bond with you and we met once upon a time. Um, where was the first time we met in person? I, I think I saw you speak somewhere and I said, oh, I love your stuff in the business journal. And you said, I love your stuff. And from oh, that time right. on, we just started talking and visiting and getting <laughs> together and brainstorming and just having fun. It's totally having fun, and I so admire your career and what you've done. So why don't you talk a little bit about that, because you have a really interesting story. So give us the salient points. I was complimented for using the the word salient one day on the radio (laughs) show, so I use it every time. Salient (laughs) Salient points of your history on uh, uh, um, uh, with our, our dear listener today. With uh, with uh, with drama, like you're asking where I got that 
term? Is that what you're wanting to know? Well, no. Tell me first your story. Okay. I kind of okay. jumped around there. Tell me first your story because um, I'm, I, you know, we've been friends forever, but you may be new to some of the folks who are listening in today. Okay. Well, my story was that of reinvention. Uh, what happened was I had been working for a company, and when I ended up leaving, I had fulfilled 21 years in that company, and I worked at at Kraft Foods in the factory on the line. So I did everything from the production work, the packing packing cheese, to stacking skids, to driving a forklift, to sanitation, all three shifts. And during those last five or six years, I was going through what I call the three life tragedies. And that is when, you know, everybody goes through this at some point. For some people, it's around their mid-30s. For other people, it ends up being in their 40s or 50s. But it really is sort of a midlife crisis. And I was going through that um, that midlife crisis, and, and I've seen three basic stages. And the first stage is when you know you want something more, but you don't know what it is. So many of us stay there our whole lives, and that is why that's a tragedy, that if you know yeah. something more, but you don't even know, like you're not even able to say, I think I would like to try this or that. If you're not even willing to experiment or ask for something different, that is truly a tragedy because you're missing out. So I went through that for quite a while, and then that second tragedy is when you know what it is but you don't believe it's possible. So even saying it feels a little bit embarrassing. And through some self-discovery, some going back to college, some just being willing to be in that search, I had discovered a tool, which we'll talk about later, and some things that was changing my life, and I wanted that to be part of my, my new life. And I knew that speaking was something I always enjoyed. It's something I did in high school. And I started coming back to my roots. What was I good at? What were my natural talents? And that was that second life tragedy of I knew I wanted to be a professional speaker in some realm and share this message. And I knew nothing about professional speaking. I'd never watched another speaker. It was just something I wanted. <laughs> and so, like, there's really, like, not knowing if it's possible because I didn't know. I, I hadn't done any research. It was just, it felt like a calling for me. And then the third tragedy is when you know what it is, that you know you want something more, you know what it is, you believe it's possible. And the distinction of this tragedy is that you have to be willing to take some action. And so many of us sit on the fence of indecision and we are frustrated and stuck. And I know what that feels like because it's like you don't like where you are well enough to settle into it and accept it. And you also are too afraid to, to jump on the other side of the fence. And so I was in that fence straddling position for quite some time as well. So I know what those three life tragedies are like. And this can show up even in a business. It can show up in a person's personal life with their marriage or with their career. And so that is how my story actually started. You know, I want to just underline, I think that that sheds some light on why you have such extraordinary empathy for people. You're always very kind and you see things from another person's perspective quite easily, and I just I heard heard that um, in your story. I can see how that developed for you. It did because what I've learned from this experience is that people will look at me now, and they see me. You know, I've spoken all around the country. I've got a new book and and all this, and they don't know all the other snapshots. Even if they know the story, to them it sounds very much like a Cinderella story. Like, well, you know, she got lucky, or it happened, or she figured it out. But the reality is they don't know the struggles and the, the internal drama that I had. And now that I work with all kinds of people at different levels, you know, whether it's business owners or professionals or entrepreneurs, what I've learned is that everybody has some pain and that you don't know, no matter how successful they are, you really don't know their inner world. And so, you know, as I said in my speech the other day, what my decision this year and my intention was to see things differently. I want to be able to have the eyes to see and that means that I want to not make up a story about who someone is. Oh, that they're so successful that they wouldn't be open to what I have to say or that they're so dense and clueless that they wouldn't get it. You know, we, we make judgments about people and to really just stay in that field of possibility is where the magic happens. You know, um, one of my uh, uh, um, business associates called and they um, had gotten a call from an unhappy potential customer. Now, this customer had never bought anything, just didn't like their prices, and I guess called and really laid into the owner. Mm -hmm. And um, it was pretty devastating to this woman. And I said, oh, gosh, it, it doesn't really sound like it had anything to do with you. That no. response seems so out um, out of the, uh, you know, the response just doesn't seem to be merited based on what the re reality of the situation is. And reality is, for different, is different for everyone. But 
to put a story on that guy like he hates me is probably not the right story. Well, and it just shows you that we all create a story, and the story is always about me. We get so attached. We think that the whole world, and really our whole world does revolve around us, but in reality Mine everybody's does. living that same thing. You know, it's all about me. My neighbor even got me a bumper. Have you seen my website? It. Yeah, it's all about, all about me. me. <laughs> but, um, you know, like what I think is really funny as well, and this goes along with what you just said, I get this all the time and I crack up over it. People don't think that men have drama, and all you have to do is watch The Apprentice. All you have to do is watch a sporting event. <laughs> All you have to do is watch any kind of event where men are involved, and you're going to see a bunch of drama. But for some reason, they get to skate on it. It's like it's okay for them, but if women do it, it's a cat fight, you know. So I'm that, is, ed- that is something that's a little bit weird. Yeah, that. Just My next like book is called "Men Have Drama Too." There you go. <laughs> I see bestseller for that yeah, one. Yeah, you do. Well, it's fun, and I love that you keep your sense of humor about this too. So let's let's define drama. What you know, you and I are tossing this term around, and everybody does. But what, how do you define it? I, I created a global definition so that we wouldn't get into the whole, whole definition of it's only women, or it's just cat fights, or it's only disagreements, or the or the thought that some people have of I don't do drama. I gave it up a long time ago. So I thought, how can I define this in a way that really opens people up to what drama really is, so that they can see what's stopping them? And my definition is this. Drama is any obstacle to your peace or your prosperity. And I use a language, and I call it the language of the island. And so I want everybody to imagine a flip chart, and I do a drawing on this flip chart. And at the bottom left, I'll draw a little picture of a rowboat and a guy in the rowboat. So that's you, and it could be you and your team. But then in the upper right-hand corner, we draw an island with the idea that we're always trying to get from A to B. We always have an intention. We always have a goal. We always have some place that we're going other than where we are. And so then in the middle between you and that island, sometimes there's a big shark. That's the obstacle. It's like, well, you know what, I want to go there, but there's this shark. Or there might be getting stuck on the rock called Hal. That could be the obstacle. A lot of entrepreneurs really understand that one. I want this, but I don't know how. Now I'm stuck. So there's lots of different obstacles and lots of different distractions, but the visual is the rowboat, the shark, and the island. So I'll often say, so what's your shark here? You know, what's keeping you from going there? What is it? Because it's usually not what you think it is. I love that. I love that definition, and I I so love that visual. I love that I can picture the flip chart, and that Mm -hmm. uh, makes a lot of sense to me, and it also then puts us all on the same page as we explore this idea. Well, and what's All right, fun so about why it? does it why does it happen? I mean, wouldn't it just okay. be easier for us to get to point A and point B? Why does it does it have to happen? It's just part of of human nature. And again, you know, we've kind of talked about the story. We've talked about the storyline. Um, if it was easy, we really probably wouldn't have a, a real reason to be here in this physical body, experiencing this game called life and this game called business. It's just what makes it interesting. If it was always easy, we would be very very bored, and, and we don't realize that we need that contrast sometimes. You know, because yeah. anyone that's overcome some obstacle, whether it's an illness, whether it's another person, whether it is just a mindset, a poverty mindset, a victim mentality, whatever your shark is, whatever your obstacle is, either you have to come to accept that obstacle and settle and be at peace with where you are, or you have to figure out a way to overcome it or eliminate it. And that is the beauty of life. And I think that's why it happens. And it's once we get that this is all a game, it just becomes so much more interesting and not so scary. I like that, too, because, you know, I, I've got this fear that, you know, I like making fun of the, the shark, and that's where the stories are. Like, if everything were smooth sailing, no one would write a book. No one would tell a story. There's there's always the obstacle is the, a key ingredient to the story. And I guess I've, I've had a fear that if that were to go away, if I were to become too zen-like and peaceful, <laughs> I wouldn't be funny anymore. Well, and you know, there's just, I think, here's the distinction with that. I love what you're saying because I want to make a distinction between um, excitement versus, um, like, I believe that a person can be at peace and still have excitement. But okay. we, we a lot of times create drama because instead of having a vision, we just want stimulation. And I think that's what a lot of the drama is about. It's people with no vision. It is, they're so used to the the, the adrenaline rush, the addictive, the family crap that comes up because it's it's in their dna so to speak 
And there's, there is a little bit of fear of who am I without my drama? Like who am I if I'm not fighting with my spouse? Who am I if I don't have money problems? Who am I if I've got my weight under control? Because I'm so attached to that drama that that is my nice excuse for not being who I'm here to be. And I think there's a difference in getting rid of the drama part of it and still being able to have this joy and this excitement and some of the, the natural fears that come along when you're stretching yourself. Because let's face it, anyone who's an entrepreneur, they've been uncomfortable. And that's, that's just part of the journey. You're going to stretch yourself and your amygdala and your brain is going to shed out chemicals when you're uncomfortable and it's going to flow out like like fear and doubt and then that's you getting to go oh my goodness I'm growing this is a game what I think this is an obstacle it's an illusion what are what am, how am I going to stretch what am I committed to it's that challenge to be who you are and that's exciting and it it doesn't have to be drama it can be like okay I can still come to peace with this and still experience the joy of overcoming that okay so the shark is still there it, it may be still there, or you may be able to dissolve it because once you release resistance, a lot of times what keeps it there is our determination to fight against it, to make it wrong. And sometimes <laughs> what I've learned is it's never about the solution at first. We always think that it is. It's always about first coming into acceptance of what's going on because the visual here is this. Here's the difference between resistance and non-resistance. You've got a leak in the boat. Okay, here's resistance. Well, I cannot believe it. This always happens to me. I should have known better. So-and-so didn't give me the right advice. Look at the boat maker. Well, wouldn't you know the wind would blow this way today? There's not an island in sight, blah, 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 blah. That's resistance. It doesn't change the leak. Here's here's the leak in the boat with non-resistance. Oh, my gosh, there's a leak in the boat. I'm unhappy about this. Didn't want it to happen. What are my choices? I think I'll pull over and figure it out. See the time savings? Yeah. I mean, the boat, there's still a leak. There's still an unwanted circumstance. It's not your preferred way of things happening, but the re, but you have to have acceptance and the facts about the situation and not the drama and story attached to it because once you get rid of that, it's not like the drama still isn't there. The drama is there, but your drama, there is no such thing anymore because you've you've handled it. You've looked at the facts and you said, here, there's choices, and with choice, uh-huh. you're empowered. Well, let's talk about the Stop Your Drama methodology. So okay. how did to- how does drama keep you from success? And then um, let's get a little more specific about now that we know what drama is, let's talk about the tools to convert that um, drama into some exciting energy and a good game. Okay. Well, the Stop Your Drama methodology is based on eight universal principles that actually work anywhere. They work in your business. They work in your personal life. And I've used this now as a method for coaching, and people will think that I'm a a psychic or a fortune teller, but really anybody can learn this methodology. And once you do it a lot, you start realizing where the core problems are. And so it's based on eight principles, and I can go through those if you want, or I can just share a few key ones. Which, What do you think is the best approach? Well, go ahead and uh, let's start. uh, Why don't you list all eight for those who like to take notes so boom 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 okay and then let's start and just break through a couple of um uh, break out a couple of them into some detail how does that sound that sounds good so the first principle is called clear the fog the idea here is that the one with clarity navigates the ship and everyone else shovels coal the second (laughs) idea is that clarity can change any situation so when I find that there's drama we say drama any obstacle to peace or prosperity you know of course it can manifest as a in your head, it can be a problem with another person, it can be a physical occurrence, we'll say, well, there's almost always, well, there is always, there's always a lack of clarity where you experience drama. Now, a, a situation like a tornado it can happen, and that's not your fault, but you can still have a measure of acceptance or peace in deciding what you need to do. But if you have a whole lot of, of head drama about anything other than a catastrophe, we're going to say that there's a lack of clarity somewhere. So there's always a lack of clarity in drama. So number one is clear the fog. Number two is identify the gap. And the idea here is what we've already talked about, that there's point A and point B, and this gap is the distance. The bigger the gap, the more potential for drama. How I find this to work in corporations and businesses is that a lot of times the entrepreneur or the owner will get a grand idea about where they want to go, and it sounds easy because their passion makes them feel like it's just a 500-mile a journey when in reality it's a 5,000-mile journey and they've got a rowboat one or a no map, there's a problem there. You've got to identify that gap and be realistic about what it's going to take. And so once you know what's required, then you know if you're really willing to, to go the distance. So that, number two is identify the gap, and there's a lot within that. Number three is tell yourself the truth. We've talked about this already, how we make up a story and we always think it's about us. 
And the the neat thing here is that the brain thinks over six um, sixty thousand thoughts a day, and eighty five percent or more of those are either negative or repetitive. So most of the time, we are not telling the truth. We don't even know how to distinguish fact from fiction. And so one of the things I say here is that knowing um, knowing your feelings will not change the facts. But knowing the facts can change your feelings, and once you change your feelings, you can create new facts. So that's all. I think that's really important. Let's come back to that one. Yeah, it's huge. That one. Okay. This goes along with the law of attraction and everything, and there's a difference yes. I make about that. So then number four is to reinvent and realign. And the idea here is that the way you see yourself is going to determine Everything in the way that you lead, in the risks you take, in the way you treat yourself, the way you treat others. So if you want something to change, you have to start realigning and reinventing with what you say you're committed to. If you want to have people on your team that are team-oriented, you can't be the kind of leader that's not team-oriented. You've got to be what you want to create. So you've mm-hmm. got to reinvent and realign. Number five is to stop relationship drama. This is a second component that's always present in all kinds of drama is relationship. And this is where I talk about the Karpman drama triangle, which we might talk about later, and it's the tool that really helped me to change my life because when people see the dynamics as it plays out on this triangle, you can start to see patterns that you're creating in your life that aren't working to help you get to the goal that you say you want. So that's number five is stop relationship drama. Number okay. six Number six is to master your energy. The idea here is that everything is energy, and mm-hmm. um, we don't really always recognize that, but you know, this really flies in the face of the people that believe, and I see this with sometimes with franchise owners. In fact, I was, um, I was at a franchise the other day, and they were telling me about the owner, that the owner thought that the people should never get a break, that they should just work through the clock, and I said, well, I can see why there's drama here, because the reality is you need regular rejuvenation. You're a physical being, and you can work 24 hours with, a, with no break, but... You know, you can't do it every day. So right. mastering your energy, depending on the kind of business you have. If you're a doctor's office, you're going to have emergencies, but you still have to find ways, pockets to get five minutes for a breath without a phone, without being hooked up. So energy, whether it's physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, or environmental, that, that chapter's on energy. And number seven is release resistance. And that is, we just talked about that. There's a leak in the boat and how we handle it. You'll always see four energetic patterns where there's resistance. So I talk about that in the book. And so that way, when you start listening and learning how to listen, you can tell whether someone's in a state of resistance or not. And there's a piece I teach in that chapter that's called the fulcrum point of change. Because when you learn what that is, you can use a certain kind of language to see if someone's ready for a shift. And you can use it within yourself, too. Because the the truth is that if someone's resisting your leadership or resisting you, you are also in a stage of resistance. So you have to work on yourself first, and then you can help the other person get out of it. And so then number eight is to become a creator. And that's very much what I was talking about earlier, having the eyes to see differently, really creating a sense of expertise for yourself, like really attaching to the areas where you shine, like in a, in a company, being able to develop your people so that they are known experts in given fields, whether it's the expert at customer service, the expert at um, the employee handbook, the expert at you know putting this cog in this wheel, whatever that is, you can develop creators, people that are responsible instead of people that um, have knee-jerk reactions to everything. Okay, this is fun, fun, fun. Every one of these things I want to dive into. Well, just pick your one. Let's pick number three. Tell yourself the truth. (laughs) Let's talk about the truth because can the truth change? Well, that's a whole, you know, seminar right there. You're, You're right, the truth. Here's how I look at this piece. Most of the time we are making up a story, and it's there's a guy I interviewed for one of my programs, and he wrote a book called Buddha's Brain, and he's a neuropsychologist. And he said that really everything that we see and know to be true is really more like a little movie that's a representation of life that's enough like our real life so that we just don't bump into the furniture, that what we're really seeing is not really even an equal representation of what is really going on. And it really, most of our our whole life, we live our life from the filters of our belief systems, the way we were brought up. By the time we're eight years old, we've pretty much been programmed about what we think life is and who and what we think things mean. And in order to find your truth, your truth is different than the truth. But 
we make up stories basically like someone walks by and they don't look at you you know and so then here goes the story you go to Alice and say, boy, you know, Ted didn't give me his eye contact today. I guess I offended him last week whenever I laughed at, you know, what he had on. And yeah, so now yeah. now there's a story and like, well, I better be extra kind to him today. And then he, he growls at me. And I say, boy, he's really, I must have really done something. Well, you know what? That's unacceptable. <laughs> I'm not going to be tr- And before long, there's a big drama going on between you and Ted. Come to find out, Ted and his wife had a fight. She asked for a divorce. It had nothing to do with you. He didn't even know you laughed at him. It had nothing to do with you, but you've made a story up, and you've and what we do, we human beings want to be right about our stories, and the drama triangle is based on this notion. And so, yeah. how I've tied this in to to telling yourself the truth is, if I believe that, for example, if we hear this a lot, the rich people are bad. You know, I'd rather there's a, a verse in a Bible in the Bible that says something about it's easier for the rich man or for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. So we make up a story about what that means, that rich people must be bad. And so now it's difficult for me to make money in my business because I have such a core belief that rich people are bad that I'm going to look for the evidence of that everywhere, and I will find the one or two that are bad, and I'm going to make everybody in that same category. Right, and that's that's I've seen that a lot in my own life, and now I'm starting to recognize it in others as they say things like, you know, the economy has really had a, an impact on my business. Mm-hmm. Well, and yes, and you here's can another be right one. about that because you'll look for I, evidence of it to be right. right. You'll look for evidence of what you believe to be true. So the story you tell is the truth you live, and you can start to listen to the things people say over and over and over. And I know it's so not businesslike to watch things like Survivor, but I love to watch stuff like that, and I'm just so okay with being judged for it. So y'all, you can just judge me and write about it on Facebook if you want to. But like I watch, not like, here, sister, not here. You're getting love and support on okay. that. I love reality TV. I do too. Not I'm, all I'm of that, it, but I'm some that, of it. I like to use all this system, you know, to say, okay, this is the example of the triangle. But like, I'm watching this one guy on Survivor, and here's what he says every time he turns around. And see, these cameramen are great at catching these phrases being said over and over and over. You can tell what someone's story is by what they say. He says, "I never yeah. get credit. I do almost all the work, and I'm not getting the credit." He says that zillions of times and so there's the storyline of look at me i'm not appreciated and he's going to look for evidence of that because there's some lazy 18 and 20 year olds you know laying around on the beach well that's just what they do like boston rob says that's just what 18 year olds do they're not going to get up and work he goes i'm glad because i can use it at tribal council to say look they didn't do any work and this guy's going look at me i'm not getting any respect so we've got these storylines going on we got one guy that says that's how 18 year olds are it's just you know what they do and i'm glad because it'll benefit me later and i'll when you got another guy saying, look at this, if they respected me, they'd be bragging on me and helping out. None of it's the um, truth. It's just what they're doing. It's um, uh, Wayne Dyer kind of came up with the line. He said, to stop any argument, if you just want to like bring it to, to neutral, your yeah. response to anything could be, you are right about that. Mm-hmm. I see because your point. Yeah, I see your takes, point. Yeah, yeah it takes the, the energy... And just lets it sit there. So now you can be with that. You can be right about that. And we don't have to keep going back and forth because as you keep resisting against, no, I'm right about the economy or I'm right about kids being lazy, you will keep creating that truth. And that's what led me to that question is that I like the way you said it. It could be the truth versus your truth. But I think there is some advantage to challenging what you think to be true. And the generalizations we make about ourselves, that we make about others, um, you know, to, to really be able to say, well, my perception is, that, to say that means that I know that it's just a perception and that I'm often wrong in perceiving. But, you know, based on a grounded assumption, I perceive. That's a way to say I'm assuming based on this set of facts or these observations, but I also know that there may be a bigger story that I may not be aware of, and I'm really open to, to not being right about this. That's the openness that that it just it created a little shift there when you say I've I've always said that perhaps or I've I've perceived this in myself but I don't know that that's serving me anymore mm-hmm. and I'm open for you change and you know there's when I'm doing some like coaching or like speaking in a workshop I'll give people an exercise and people that really really do this they'll see magic happen in their lives and I call it looking for evidence so. Whatever it is that we want, we have to assume that it is already in the field of possibilities, but that we haven't manifested it. Now, what manifestation really means is having the awareness to see that which is already there. 
So it's not like something pops out of thin air and it's woo-woo. It's that there's things already there for us, opportunities, connections. But because we've got a mindset, we're blinded to seeing where those opportunities are. And so that's why I said I want the eyes to see this year because I want to see, I want my awareness to go up so much that I'm not into story anymore, that I'm into opportunity about other people, about myself, and so on. And so I love this idea of having the eyes to see the opportunity versus, well, I've got the story all closed and buttoned up because that way I can go on and not have to think about what's unknown to me. You know, I want to just interrupt a minute to to, to realize a little aha moment. None of your conversation has to do with how do I get the other guy to do something. Never. <laughs> it's always what am you know, I not seeing or what do me, I want. Yeah. yeah let me um, interrupt just long enough to remind Folks, if you're listening in and you want to ask Marlene a question, go for it. You have to call in to do that. The number is 347-637-2284, and then press number one on your keypad, and uh, I'll keep an eye on the switchboard, and if a hand goes up, we'll uh, we'll interrupt you, Marlene, but I'm really enjoying this. So the key well, I want to bring to one, more drama, one more thing up that I didn't say that I think you'll like. Um, when you want to look this. for new evidence, do this. Write down what it is, the essence of what you say that you want. So, like, if you don't feel respected, for example, self-esteem is a biggie between most people. You know, I'm not respected, or people don't notice my contribution, or I'm not like. We all adults still have some of this stuff in the right frame of time. So Nobody picked it, me at dodgeball. Exactly. I mean, we all have it in some areas. So just pick something like that that's personal. Like, maybe I'm not that great at, at networking, or people tend to reject me, whatever that is, and change it to what you do want. Write it down on a postcard, and then every time you get a little glimmer of that evidence, write it down as new evidence, because that's how you change the belief. You just build supporting evidence, because whatever you're saying, like, well, people only talk to me when they want something from me. Well, you've got plenty of evidence to back that up, and I'm not saying that that's not been true, but if you want to change it, you have to be the one to seek new evidence. I love that. Yeah, I knew that you I love would. that. Like pieces breaking out all over. Yeah, I'm what seeing, if we recognize I'm seeing, that. Yeah, because one day, like I was driving by, this is an example of how it works, and it's so exciting once you start to hear the voice in your head and you start to be the witness of it. Like I was going to a Chamber of Commerce meeting one day, and I saw this statue out by the Shriners building, and it was a picture of a man, you know, it was a, a statue, a bronze statue of a man holding a child, and my first thought was there's goodness all around me. And I went, wow, I see goodness everywhere. And it was just because I've been programming my mind to see there's goodness. There's people that want to help. There's goodness and love all around me. And as you start being that kind of person, that's what you start expecting to see, and it's what you see everywhere. And I love this because the the stopping your drama it isn't about getting other people to do things. It's about seeing with your own eyes. It is. It's seeing things a new way. This whole methodology is about you shifting your inner world from the inside out, not about saying something a particular way to manipulate someone because here's what I know for sure, and I got this from one of my favorite gurus, Gary Zukov. He writes spiritual books. He said, if you don't know your intention before an interaction with someone, you will know it afterwards. So we've all said something like, well, I'm just doing this to be nice, but the reality is you had an ulterior motive, and when your ulterior motive didn't work, you got mad. So if you're just doing it to be nice, you're not attached. You did it because you wanted to, you volunteered, you, you joined the committee, you joined the board because you believed in the cause, but then when you weren't the selected speaker or when you didn't meet the networking people you wanted to meet with or when the guy that you thought was so powerful didn't care for you and you're upset about it, well, you had an ulterior motive and you just weren't aware of it. You know, it's funny, too, there's these little Zen masters all around, too. You can start to observe it. I was... um uh, a walk-in with my niece at one point this summer, and uh, somebody had had uh, riled up uh, a hurt that was kind of working its way through the family dynamics, and I was trying to figure out how I should respond, and I asked my niece, who's 17, and she said, well, you could just not respond. Yeah, <laughs> let, it, let the person whose problem it is handle that problem. Yeah, and just like, what if you're one less person? in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, gosh, that hadn't even occurred to me. I'm so, just so sure I'm going to be the one fixing things and and uh, solving it. And it was a really great no-drama lesson. 
it really isn't, and that comes with that's how we view ourselves and how we view other people. And sometimes we don't give other people credit for being able to feel and process through what they need to feel and process. We want to, like, get to the end result, the fix, really quickly instead of letting them feel for a moment what they need to feel in order to work through it. And sometimes we have, in our wisdom, we would maybe process through some of these things quicker. But that's why I know it's never really about the solution. It's about the emotional quality of it because what might not be difficult for me could be extremely difficult for you and vice versa. So it's never about the answer. And when we try to give someone the answer, we're trying to help something on a physical level that has something more to do with a spiritual or emotional level. Well, I'm just, I just got a glimpse into your world here a little bit. If someone were to call you, oh, this is a gal who stops drama, and man, do I have a lot of drama in my office. So now this person calls you, there's going to instantly be a moment or two or three or a day or a week where they're going to feel compelled to make sure you see how dramatic things really are. Yes, and until I can make someone feel heard, I cannot help them. Because okay, so how... Go, then describe your process a little bit more because if you're if someone's on the call like listening to that, let's give them a little bit of idea of what a process of working with you would be like. Because what I want to do is I want to hear things from their perspective and I want to hear how they see things because I will listen not only for facts and I will listen for um, I'll listen for their perspective on it and everything else. But in the end, I want them to understand this above and beyond everything else. I'm not there to give them the answer in what to do or to make them wrong or to make them right. That is not my position. My position is to hold their hand and hear them and accept that this is their experience and from that point give them tools and help them to break through. Because I could say, well, here's the truth of the matter. It's not really about that and you just need to do this because it's really not about you. They're going to not feel understood and as long as someone doesn't feel safe and understood, I cannot help them. How, where Where is the tipping point, though, where you're enabling? How do you know? I have is had... That, is that a huge question, or is that does that come with experience? It, it comes with experience. It really does. And so, you know, there are some techniques that I teach people. So here's here's a question that helps a lot. This is where I will stop people. After I've heard for five minutes or ten minutes, I will say, okay, so we, I hear the story, and I understand you're frustrated. Am I getting the gist of you're frustrated, you're tired of this, you want it to quit? Yes, you've got that. Now that I got it... Here's what I'll say, and this is where people get tripped up, and this is where I know that it's a story. I'll say, what do you want? Well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not fair. I said, I understand that it's not fair. I don't want to go there anymore. I don't need to know any more about the unfairness of it because I get that, and I get that you do deserve to be happy and that you want to be. So I'm asking you, what do you want? Well, when she said, nope, didn't ask what she said, you told me. I got mm-hmm. that. She said this. And she might have said a thousand other things, but the, what the question I'm asking you is a question about clarity. What yeah. do you want? Because until Isn't that I know that, we can't change anything. That's become a really favorite word of mine. There's there's two words that I've fallen in love with that I never used to use, and they're clarity and discipline. Mm-hmm. And clarity in terms of you know asking that, what do I want? And and sometimes knowing what you don't want becomes mm-hmm. the springboard for knowing what you do want. You can start with that, right? Mm-hmm. And here's so if, in the first chapter, I ask people to answer these two questions because I can tell you that until you've really thought about these two questions, you'll keep getting stuck. So the first question is, who am I? Like, who am I? Like, am I weak? Am I a victim? Am I poor me? Who am I? Am I able, capable, ready, willing? Because if I can answer that, and then what am I committed to? Because when things changed for me was whenever I got a personal value statement, a commitment. They teach that in business school, and we kind of yawn, and we go, yeah, blah, 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 but we've got to make money. But the reality is all of us are committed to something. We're either committed to our story or we're committed to rising above it. We're committed to something. We're committed to, to helping others in some way. We're committed to peace. We're committed to happiness. We're committed to laughter. Whatever we are committed to is the island we'll always go to. And until I got clear that I was going to be committed to improving communication and relationships, I did not have a North Star. I constantly got off track because I had no clarity about what I was committed to. How did you how did you discover that for yourself? It was through intense 
desire and med- meditation of when I was still in the factory and I said, I've got to want and, and get, and there's got to be something that keeps me on track. It's like I can't just say, like to just have a goal of accomplishment is, is different to me than success because to me success is a, a state of being more than it is an accomplishment. I think they're two different things. And so for me, I wanted this state of being. I wanted to be known as one who, and I wanted to live my life and to say, this is my checks and balances. I either improved communication and relationship or I didn't. I either went to the island or I took a 90-degree turn to the left called look what they did to me or look how life is bad or this is why it can't happen. That is a different island. And so what I tell people is that if you know what you're committed to, you get off track three degrees, you can get right back and course correct. If you get off track one degree every day for 90 days, you've now taken a complete 90-degree turn to the left, and you're not going to the same island anymore. Um, Mark Victor Hansen once told me that until you know your purpose, your purpose is to find it. And I found that very reassuring. Yes, yes, yes. You know, that, that asking the question, if you continue to ask and sit with it, Answers will be revealed. Inspiration will. will come. I love Jim Carrey because, you know, here's what he says, and I am so aware of this kind of stuff. I really listen for it. You know what he says he is when and when you ask him, who are you? He says, I just tell myself I am love. Mm. So if I see myself as I am love, how am I going to respond if someone's rude? I'm going to go, you know what, they're having a bad day. If I am love and I don't get the business deal I wanted, I'll say what I need to say, but it will be respectful and I'll find out what didn't work, and I'll be loving. Um, if I say that I am love when I'm late in traffic, instead of flipping someone off, I'll take a deep breath and I'll say, this is hard and I feel triggered, but I'm love. And, I'm and, gonna and know that what you picture. just described are those little 1, 1% direction changes. It is. It's just like saying, okay, or I apologize because you know what? That wasn't love. That wasn't whatever I say I am. It wasn't that. And so if I got off track, I need to course correct. And, and life is a series of course correction. But you have to know who you are and what you're committed to. And that's the same thing in a business. If you say in your mission statement, we are committed to these things, customer service, employees first, blah, 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 I can tell you why you're having drama if 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 you're off track anywhere, I can tell you by looking at the behaviors that I can say you either need to change your mission statement or you need to change the behaviors. It doesn't matter which you change, but you need to be in alignment. Is that the integrity gap? Does the it integrity is. gap cause yes. drama? Yes. Then? Because okay. yes. Cause if you're divided, a divided mind is divided energy. And so if you're in confusion about who, like if you say this is what I'm about, but your actions don't show that, you now have your always cleaning up messes. You know, that's why there's certain, like, people that we may say, well, they don't have, you know, they don't have the kindness. Like, you might look at Donald Trump, for example, and you might say, well, he's just all about money and he's not a very kind person. But you know what? He has a clarity about who he is. There's no doubt about who he is. You can like it or not like it, but the reason he's so powerful is there's not any integrity gap. You're, You're not unclear about what he's committed to. He's committed to making money and winning. You know, I worked for a guy like that, and I have immense respect for him. I don't like him, but I have a lot of respect for him. And, uh, yeah, because his integrity was aligned with his intention. And and, that's uh, what integrity is, just to be complete and whole, lacking nothing. Let's let's address this now because I I'm, I'm thinking as I as I kind of feel the energy on the line. If I'm the boss and I'm listening in, I've gotten some really great tips to um, realign myself with what I say my mission is. What if I'm not the boss? I know I can only change my behavior, but how can we lead up using this information? Suppose your boss hired you to uh, get a certain initiative handled, and your boss is the one who isn't complying. Maybe it's, okay, you got to help me write an operations manual, but the boss is the one who never follows the operations manual. Okay. Is there a way, are there some tools that you could give us if you're not the king of everything or the queen of everything mm-hmm. to stop the drama and lead up? Yes, I, I think so, and I think it really comes from this commitment of deciding up front that you're going to be of service and value to the person who has given you this task. And when you start to see them as one who struggles on this human journey, just like we all do, and that you are here to, to provide this um, service, it's being willing, and this is the fulcrum point of change here, because you, you have to be more willing to have an authentic conversation and find the words to do so 
um, so that you can share the truth of what's going on rather than being willing to just slide under the radar so that you keep your job. Now, that sounds hard, but what I know is that if you, and you obviously are going to be working for a place that has some level of integrity or you wouldn't be there. So you have to be willing to say, what could be required of me to have this conversation? So you might want to say to your boss something about, you know, I would like to do a little investigation, and I would one. I wonder, are you willing to hear things I might need to make as suggestions or observations that I make, even if they're difficult? Because I want to be able to do that for you, and I want to be able to do it in integrity. So, if I find information that I think would be valuable, would you like to hear it? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Okay. And so then That's... you ask your boss that, and so then you set it up to say, here's what I want to be able to do, and you then you ask for what you want. I want to be able to, number one, do some research. I want to, number two, be able to have a meeting with you and share where I think the integrity gap is or, or share what I think is missing and why it's happening. And number three, I'd like to be able to make some suggestions. Are you open to that? Okay. Because, see, now, now I'm asking for what I want. But it is getting clear on what you want as opposed to, well, he doesn't let me do what he want. He hired me to do. And then Which if is, he says no, then you have to say, I don't think I can really fulfill this task because I'm seeing discrepancies in what we say we are and what we say we're willing to do, and I want to be able to report that back to you because I really think it will turn our business around and it will do X, Y, and Z. We'll see this kind of revenue change. We'll see this difference in turnover. But it's not going to happen if we don't face the truth of the, of the situation. So we're 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 going to come up to a point that has to change. There is going to be some change involved, and that also creates drama it's, and a, puts a shark in the water. It does, and here's what I know too. Like it's really always a personal journey first, because there's nothing going to feel good about it if you're just skating by and just getting paid and not really doing what you've been asked to do. It won't feel good internally, so you've got to look at this as a personal test as well to say, who am I in in relationship to this challenge, and what am I afraid of, and what am I up against? What is my shark? Is my shark the resistance to telling the boss, hey, I think that our mission – you know, may need to shift a bit because this is where there's a discrepancy. We say we're committed to this, but that our system that we have doesn't allow us to actually fulfill that mission. You know, do you so, have some, do you have a, a um, I'm, I'm putting you on the spot about this, but do you have an anecdotal story that um, uh, you know would be encouraging here? Mm, have you gosh. seen this work to good effect? Oh, I see it work all the time. As far as a specific. Um, I I can't think right off the bat as far as a specific one. I I can think of a company that was calling me not too long ago, and they were saying, um, well, we want... um we want our employees to really, we want them to engage and we want them to be happy, but we've got a lot of negativity. And so here's what I'm hearing is that you're telling me there's a lot of negativity. You're telling me you want them to engage. And so I'm asking how often do you get together and, and have them be part of the decision making? Oh, we don't. You see what I'm saying? There's there's uh-huh. an integrity gap right there. You're saying that you want something, but you're doing nothing to make that happen, and you're pointing the finger at them saying, this is who they are, and because of their negativity, we can't run a good operation. And so then I said, well, how long has this been going on? He said, oh, at least 15 years. And I said, was there ever an authentic conversation 15 years ago about what the behavior is? No. And I said, why not? Well, we didn't run rock the boat. And I said, well, here's what I know, is that the decision not to rock the boat today becomes the lawsuit five years later. <laughs> That's what I know. Okay, so, so it might it might be something that, even though it's scary, we might have it. You know, I can see how just giving your book to um, your boss might be a way to open this conversation. Well, it is because it's amazing the ahas that they get. And, like, I don't mean to call anybody out. I mean, and that's what I said to him. I said, believe me, I'm not criticizing you. It happens to every one of us in different levels in our home life and in our professional life as well. But you're telling me that you've got these people who are really natural-born leaders when you think about it because they've got influence, but they're not, their skills aren't being used. In fact, they've never even been talked to about their bad behavior. I can't believe that, and you're blaming them. You know, like, well, who's leading here? The one with clarity navigates the ship, and I'm saying they're they're navigating their own ship. You need to step back up on the top deck. Well, and the, the, the patterns, you know, the inertia of these relationships for 15 years, um, miracles can happen. Well, it can, and here's what I've told them, too. Like, this is another example of some advice that I gave. Well, I can tell you that as an employee on the factory floor, here's what we experience, right or wrong. It's what we experience. It's our perception. 
we call it the flavor of the month. Now, this is for yeah. bigger companies. Okay, this month it's TQM, and then a new management guru comes out with something called Six Sigma, and then someone else comes up with something called Total Quality Circles and Management by Walking Around. Well, we've heard it all, and we've gotten engaged in it all, and you told us it was something that was never going to change. We're going to buy into this, and we bought in. Three months later, you drop the ball, and there's no explanation. Why would we buy in again? We've been told that we that when we buy in, it's going to happen, but it never does, and it gets dropped after three months, and the excitement's over. So what I that's that identify the gap piece. So what mm-hmm. I always say to companies is this. When you get ready to get them to buy into something, in order to develop trust, you have to like set a period of time that it's a pilot program for two months and you gotta by golly do everything you said you were gonna do, even if it means losing money, you gotta do you gotta do what you said you were gonna do within that two months and you can always revisit and change your mind. But you let them know that this may change. But we're going to try this for two weeks. We're going to try this for two months. Whatever it is that you can afford to try it because you think you're committed to it and it sounds exciting and then a new opportunity comes and then you it's like that goes on the back burner. You've got to plan for those things so that you keep the trust going. Oh, that is so important because, you know, I, I see it happen too. People hire me. We put in some new systems and I watch the owner's uh, disappointment that it wasn't magic perhaps. Mm-hmm. And then they look to the next the next thing. Everybody wants this quick fix, and, and they love being sold on this, these ideas, but they're not sometimes willing to do, and I call that the rowboat with one oar and no map. We are going to get out there in the middle of that ocean, even if you have a rowboat and a, and a motor. You're going to have to stop at the island 300 miles away, and you're going to have to grab another team member. You're going to have to later on hook up to a yacht. There's going to be unknown things in that gap, and if you don't think there are, then you know, you're know you green and, and naive because even plans are just a framework. They have to adjust. You can't know. Everybody is a pioneer. When you're doing new things, you are not prepared for the for economic changes, for just the changes that you have no control over. You really don't know for sure, even with a solid plan. Oh, this has been so much fun, Marlene. I'm going to give. Uh, I, I know that um, we've been asking and answering a lot of questions just between you and me. If you still have a question that's unanswered, or maybe something specific to your own life, you don't have to state your name. You can keep your anonymity here, but you can call in at three four seven six three seven two two eight four. Marlene, the hour goes so fast. Um, what did you come with today that you really wanted to communicate that we haven't had a chance to touch on? You know, I think the main thing is to know that clarity can change any situation. And if you'll rest in knowing that and just meditate on that, if there's anything that's bothering you, if there's anything that you're completely upset about or it feels hopeless, spend some time and get clear. And in that clarity, you're going to come up with something that you've been unwilling to do until now. When you get clear on what you're willing to do in order to have peace about it, in order to come to a place of acceptance or change or shift, you will be amazing how the universe starts to support you and everything starts to shift and change. Clarity you can know, change any situation. You know, I always like to talk about money, and I don't, I don't think money is um, – uh, uh, what's, what's, I don't think it's a mutually exclusive concept here, right? Right. And, it sometimes can really be a nice way to demonstrate some of these uh, um, laws. And I, and I use law as opposed to truth, you know, the way things yes, work. Yes. Right? But if you get really clear on where you are financially and then get really clear on what you want, you've established where you are now on the boat and where the island is, and then the path becomes so much clearer. And that's what you're talking about. So even, you know, where I am financially, get my financials lined up, Put a budget together. This is what I want my financial picture to be like. Then uh, you're on your way. Hey, we have a question. Can I um, uh, ask you to uh, get ready to answer? Absolutely. Let me open up the line. Your phone number ends in 1199. Say hey. 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 (laughs) Hi, caller. What's your question? (laughs) My question, Ellen, uh, is... You know, you guys are talking about gaining clarity. Okay, give me some tips on um, specific ways. On how to gain clarity? Yeah, how to gain clarity. I understand meditation. What's the fast track? (laughs) Can you give me any information? (laughs) Are you able to do that on the phone? What's that? Are you able to give me any additional information on the phone? 
Because I'm hearing that there's a specific something that you're not clear about. I'm thinking. Okay. Just clarity in life in general. In my opinion, the first piece of clarity comes about what your core values are. What do you hold to be, you know, sacred? What is, what would you, like, this is a value that I have and nothing will ever come between me and this value. Because once you know that, all other decisions become so much easier. Okay. Well, Ellen, this is Mike. I'm in your 12-stepper deal. Hi, Mike. I thought you sounded familiar. Yeah. And, I think, and, you know, you know, just to speak in, in AA, they say to speak from your experience, strength, and hope. And my, from my own experience, for me, was getting clear on how can I serve? What is it that I have that needs to be expressed? Mm-hmm. And that is when I work with business owners, Mike, I ask that question about your life before we start the business because the business is like the rowboat it's going to be what gets you to the island but it isn't you right like what do i want is another question like what do i want and getting like doing some vision work you know one thing that i'll do is i'll sit down and journal and i will pretend that i'm journaling out three months or one year or six months or whatever length of time and I start writing as if everything I want has already occurred. And what you want to look for is the essence of the feeling, not so much the material things. Like if you said, well, I want a mansion that's a $5 million mansion, I would ask you, then how are you going to feel when you get that? And then if you said, well, I would feel um, accomplished, I would feel excited, I would feel joyful, I would feel accepted – what you're really looking for is feeling accepted. So let's work on figuring out how to create that. That would be the clarity of I want more acceptance or I want to be included. So whatever it is you say you want, there's a feeling or an essence attached to that desire. And if you can tap into that, and that's where feeling becomes very important because everything we want is basically because we want to feel better in some way. Right. I so agree with that. So if it feels good, would you trust yourself that there is a clue there? Mm-hmm. And, and do you, you trust that what you want is actually something that would be good to have? Okay, more, the feeling. more specifically, yeah. I know my numbers now, Ellen. Yay. Hey, and um, to be able to gain clarity on that, I'm struggling with that number, and I'm struggling with how I'm going to get the crew on board with those numbers. Well, that you just got into the the how, which is in, is between here and the island. So it's right. just that, the how is not as okay. important as the what. So go 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 for it, Marley. Oh, okay, so fun. here's here's the fun part of this. You just got stuck on the rock called how. It never happens through that. It's always what then who. So you've got employees, right? Yep. So you want to then engage them to say, here's the what, and I know that you're all brilliant and there's things I'm not seeing. Let's talk about possibilities. What if? Once you start doing that and engaging other people, you'll be so surprised at the ideas and the things that will come up because we as business owners get really stuck on this rock called how thinking we got to have it all figured out. It is never what, then how. It's what, then who, and the how comes through other people. Oh, I think that's so smart. And, Mike, I've fallen for that before, and I also have recognized it with so many business owners. You hire people, and you want them to be successful, so you think you have to have it all laid out for them. We do the same thing with our kids when the joy of it is that they're going to find answers for us. And, you know, Mike, you could be the least smart person on your team, and it could be really, really great. Well, and the thing is, their success is going to come from being the hero. And if you can encourage other thinkers and heroes to get on board and row in the same direction, uh-huh. it will be so amazing. They will be so engaged. If you start having regular powwows where it's like we're going to do the possibility powwow, we're going to do the what-if session, you know, this is the number we say we want. And we're not going to, like, freak out about, you know, oh, we're not getting there. We're just going to say we're going to believe that it's possible, and we're going to say what if. What could we do? What could we do? And we're not going to down anything right now we're going to let this come through partnerships through other people through connections and one step's going to lead to the other and then we'll create our own blueprint but for now let's know it can happen and let's not try to get into that how 
We will put some possible hows out there, but they're just possibilities. Well, this is going to work out great. I've got to wrap up the show right now. Mike, our next step on Monday is going to be so great to dovetail this um, with your thoughts today. And you might also check out Marlene's book. Mark, Marlene, uh, tell us, um, tell us uh, where to get the book. You can go to stopworkplacedrama.org and get it right from the site, or you can get it at stopworkplacedrama.com, and you'll see stuff about the book and, and where to get it. Marlene is just a rock star, and uh, Mike, I'm so glad to have you as part of the step-by-step program. And you're asking the big question. Trust that if you keep asking and are quiet enough, uh, long enough to listen, answers right. are going to be revealed. And I love what Marlene said. Don't get stuck on the rock of how. Find uh, the first question is what, and the next question is who. And you've mm-hmm. got some great people on your team already. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks it's for there that. for you. It's Yay. there for you. Thank you for asking. Well, thank that you. Was, that was excellent because this is what's so great about this topic, that it gets to the core of who I am and what do I want, and isn't that what makes life worth living? Well, hey, it was fantastic. This is my favorite conversation. So, Marlene, thank you so much for being part of the program today. Hey, thanks for having me. Oh, no, we're out of time. Thanks to my super smart guest, and thank you for joining us. You can listen in again at blogtalkradio.com slash barebonesbiz. So down with the ball and chain of 20-hour workdays and piles of debt. Make some money. Fix and grow your own extraordinary business. And until next time, this is Ellen. I wish you love, peace, prosperity, and freedom. <laughs>